welcome to the Fantasy Unicorns Podcast, a fantasy basketball podcast with a dynasty focus. Welcome all fantasy fiends to episode six of the Fantasy Unicorns Podcast. Be sure to check out our website, thefantasyunicorns.com, for content like articles, prospect rankings, dynasty rankings, and redraft rankings, all updated for this coming 2019-20 season. That's right, we finally got all all our sets of rankings up on the site. So we also we also do have two new articles that were just published on the site within the last week or two. Uh, Kevin did a write-up on a recent auction draft we did with a lot of top-notch experts in the industry, guys from Basketball Monster, HoopBall, ESPN, Yahoo. They were all represented in that draft, so it was a blast. And the article Kevin wrote, it's informative and fun. And the, the other new article on the site is one that I just wrote and published going over popular opinions and thoughts that might be worth a second look. Things like Darius Garland not being a good playmaker and Clint Capella possibly falling in the rankings because of the addition of Westbrook. So I'm not saying those ideas are necessarily wrong. I just wanted to provide evidence and analysis to the contrary to help readers form their own opinions on the topic. So be sure to check that out if you have any interest. But yeah, uh, we took a we took a little unplanned hiatus for a week here, but we're back now, and what a great day to be back. Why, you ask? Because today was... Uh, NBA training camp media day so all of our favorite players were up there on the podium answering questions I watched some of the Pelicans and dabbled in a couple of other teams just to take a peek but it's also a great day because the NBA preseason officially tips off tonight it literally just started as we're recording this so uh, I have that on one screen while we're talking here James Harden is on the court ladies and gentlemen but uh, anyway as always I'm joined by my partner Tony so sorry for ranting right off the bat like that what's going on man I'm doing very well, my friend Jay. I'm uh, also extremely excited for uh, the all-important media day step along the journey of uh, as we get in, get started here in in this newest NBA season. It's uh, honestly, uh, you know, it's one of the most exciting seasons uh, in recent memory because of all of the changes and because of, you know, everything that's gone down in free agency and the draft. And, you know, yep. uh, I, I mean, it's just, it's a really exciting time to be a fan of the NBA and, uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I can't, I can't wait to see kind of what comes out here as we get started into the season. Hell yeah, man. Media day, you know, the slow season is ending. The dry, the dry spell <laughs> is coming to a close it's how you know we're. It's how you know we're getting close. That's Media right. day when you start seeing all those photos of That's like right. the coach, the coach and the star players, yep. you know, and then the, the starting five photos and, and all the players start <laughs> posting their stuff. Exactly. That's when you know that uh, that we're getting closer. That's right. The James Harden and Russell Westbrook back to back photo and. You know all the all the cliche, the classic, yeah. the classic duo like trio photo. That's always the one that I <laughs> when you've got like the the big three or you've got a a, a dynamic duo. That's right. Uh, that's always that's always a funny funny <laughs> photo to see. Yeah, uh, nothing huge really. I guess I shouldn't say that, but you know there were a couple of flashpoints I remember um, from media day. Uh, I guess I'll just briefly mention them. It was. Things like Wendell Carter Jr. saying he's 100% now and ready to go. And 
Kevon Looney preparing to be the Warriors' starting center because Willie Cauley-Stein apparently sprained his ankle and could miss all of October. And just a few other things, like Kenny Atkinson possibly hinting at Kyrie playing off-ball a little more and letting Levert run the offense more often. And, uh, you know, Denver stating they're more open to resting their main starters in an effort to stay fresh for the playoffs. Just all kinds of things. You know, Embiid might be taking a little more rest this season, so... But, you know, it was a lot to take in. We might go into a little more detail um, maybe next week or something like that. But we do have some other fun things to get into today. Let's see. First up, um, let's hit on a couple of recent news items. So right off the bat, we'll start with some pretty huge news for fantasy basketball fans, especially DFS, but even us uh, normal leaguers as well. The NBA has officially approved a rule change that will require all NBA teams to set their starting lineups 30 minutes prior to the game. This is absolutely enormous. There will be no more uncertainty when it comes to situations like, well, I don't know if this guy is playing. I don't know if this other guy is starting. So maybe I just won't take the chance and I'll bench him. You know, are you, are you as excited for this as I am, Tony? I think everybody in the fantasy world is, uh, is excited about this news. I think it also, um, you know, is a is a, a testament to a general approach that the NBA since Adam Silver's taken the reins. Uh, you know, the NBA has been the most gambler and uh, gambling friendly league uh, yeah. of all of the leagues um, in 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 America, and and, and this is yet another. Yet another example of the NBA's sort of willingness and and uh, and emphasis on you know uh, on gambling, but also on sort of fantasy in general. Um, I think that obviously you know I'm personally very excited. I, I think it, but but I also am excited as a fan of the of the league, uh, and I think generally I'm excited about the fact that that the NBA seems to be taking an active stance on sort of listening to their fans. And so I think a lot of us last year, especially when we were getting into load management um, situations where we don't know if Kawhi Leonard is going to play, we don't know, you know, we're talking about down the stretch in, in the end of the season, we're talking about big name players who, if they don't play, it has a, a, a huge impact on, you know, uh, the, the types of decisions that we make from a, from a betting standpoint. Um, and that's, you know, the, the fact that the NBA seems to be aware of that and has, has responded to those, to those complaints is, you know, I think a really good sign. Yeah, I certainly appreciate how forward thinking the NBA has been since Adam Silver took over and it's just been so many different categories that, that he's just impressed me with. And it, it's been a joy to watch. I'm so glad basketball is my favorite sport. You know, I do watch a little bit of football here and there. I got the Steelers versus the Bengals on right now, and this game looks like it's going to be absolute trash. So, just, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, thank, you know, I've, thank. I've got, I've got James Conner. So oh, we'll see yeah. if he uh, figures something out tonight. I doubt it, but hey. yeah, yeah, I don't have anybody starting in this game. So there you go. Uh, I won't be too invested in it, but anyway, very thankful for basketball to be back. So. And our uh, other piece of news we wanted to touch on here is in regards to Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas injury. I tell you what, if I'm an NBA point guard, which I'm obviously not, or I'd be in the Maldives or something right now, or I guess I'd be at my media day right now. But 
if I, you know, if I was, <laughs> I'd consider avoiding the Wizards, man. There's some kind of bad juju going on here. You know, Ted Leonsis must have wronged some kind of gypsy at some point. He must have forgotten to to go back and take Madame Zeroni up the mountain because, geez, man, yeah. not, not great. <laughs> The, the thing is... I, Classic I, I, holes <laughs> reference. Love it. Yeah, I, I was hoping uh, somebody would catch on to that. Uh, the thing is, you know, I was taking flyers on Isaiah at the end of drafts. You know, I think he was very... I well, noticed that. Yeah, he was... He was I was surprised. I was surprised. I was surprised when you uh, when you picked him in our Fantasy Unicorn League. Yeah. But, you know, I think, I think you're right. He is worth a flyer. Uh, it's unfortunate that he got injured. For sure, and it's been, I mean, in 30 team leagues like we play in, obviously, he's definitely going to be worth that flyer. So, I mean, I'm not expecting him to reach, you know, second or third round value again, but some kind of semblance of competency would have gone a long way uh, on this atrocious Wizards roster. You know, he could be their second leading scorer. And that's part of the reason I'm so high on Devise Bertans this year. There's just no, no depth, no good options behind uh, on this team outside of Bradley Beal, but. The good news is that it's not an, an enormously crippling injury. He needs thumb surgery and is also uh, he's only projected to miss up to two months or so for now. So if I'm getting this right and the timeline is only six to eight weeks from now or from when the injury happened about a week or so ago, then he can be back within the first month of the regular season. They're, they're thinking of about when uh, they head on over to Boston. So it's not a huge hit. Uh, I'm not dropping him. I'm plugging him in my IR spot and waiting it out because, like I said, there's just no options on this Washington roster. But what do you think, Tony? Are you still taking a flyer on him at all? Do you own him in any leagues or no? No, I don't, and I probably won't. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of Isaiah Thomas. I just don't think that he has shown over the last few seasons any – any evidence that he can stay on the court, be it because of injury or because of just a coach, not really, you know, believing in his ability to come back. Uh, I do. I think that he has the potential to, to continue to play in the NBA. Yes. My question is, does he have, is he going to be, is he going to get the opportunity? Um, and to that question, I, uh, I don't think so, unfortunately. I think that the uh, right now my main issue is two things. Obviously, the the injury history uh, is is concerning, um, especially when you're talking about an injury to the hands, and he's so reliant on his handle and his shooting, um, you know. And then the other element of it is that the Wizards, frankly, are just not a very good team. You know, they'll need someone who can handle the ball until John Wall gets back, but. You know, I'm not convinced that the Wizards are going to um, be giving anyone consistent minutes of any kind. And that uncertainty for me, for a guy who's on the older side, you know, uh, if I'm going to go for someone who's on the older side, I'm definitely going to be looking for consistency. And, and the fact that Thomas doesn't give us that consistency, you know, is why I, I would be con- I would be concerned, uh, you know, picking it up in my lanes. And, and that's why I haven't done it you know, on my side. Sure. Definitely fair points. Uh, I think he's still worth a flyer stash. You know, someone's got to provide some offense for this team outside of just Bradley Beal. And uh, also uh, worth mentioning, the rookie Justin Robinson could have a chance early in this season now. I know life can be difficult for rookie point guards at times, but 
the opportunity is there for him early on, at least. He should uh, certainly be owned in all 30-team leagues now. I grabbed him in a couple of mine, and maybe worth a consideration on 20-team uh, leagues as a flyer, depending on how deep the rosters are. He's a pretty good shooter and can get some assists, so Robinson's a guy I'm watching for sure. But, good uh, call up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on to our main event for the evening, I guess. We wanted to go over a few players who we think might break onto the scene this season. Players who likely weren't worth rostering outside of deep leagues last season that we really think could jump onto the standard league radar and be worth owning in all league sizes. So you want to start us off, man? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I, when I answer, when I thought about this question and we discussed kind of what the, uh, you know, breaking onto the standard league scene, you know, to me, that means, this is a guy who, you know, might be on in free agency, might be on, on waivers uh, at the beginning of the season because they won't be drafted, um, you know, in, in your first uh, out of your first 20, um, you know, or sorry, 15 guys um, in a, in a 12 team league um, or in a 10 team league, you know, so basically it's guys who are in the, you know, in around the 150 to 200 range, sort of between 125 and 200 in your rankings. Right. Um, so I just want to want to make sure that kind of we're all talking about, you know, the same thing, which I know that we are, but for our, for our listeners, so that you have context here. Um, for me, the first guy I think who who you know is someone who I think is has gotten a big benefit from his FIBA performance. Um, but also, you know, is a, is a beneficiary of, of moving into a different situation. Uh, Thomas Sadoransky coming to Chicago, a team that's def- desperately going to need some a steady veteran hand, uh, you know, in the event that Cody White comes in and, uh, and you know, <laughs> has some turnover issues, which I think we're all um, <laughs> expecting. Uh, and Chris Dunn is not your, your best ball handler. So... Sadoransky comes in in an offense with Laurie Markkinen and, and Wendell Carter Jr. And, and Zach Levine, who, you know, these guys are versatile offensive tools. They can do a lot of things on the floor. That means that Sadoransky is going to have move, going to have space to move around. He's going to give you good assists, good good percentages. Uh, is big for his size, so he can give you out of position rebounding. Uh, you know, is not a minus in scoring. And I think that he's someone that, um, you know, if if you're in a standard league and you finished up a draft and you're looking at the board and you see Sadoransky, you know, on your waivers, he's definitely someone who, if you have an open spot because of an, you know, someone on your IR, say you, you drafted Isaiah Thomas and you see that he's injured, you can put him in an IR. Um, I would definitely take Sadoransky um, and, and pick him up. Now I think there's a good chance because of his FIBA performance, I think there's a chance that he will get drafted in most leagues but still, that being said, if you're, you know, if you're seeing uh, Sadoransky, um, you know, in, in your 11th, 12th round, um, 10th to 12th round in your draft, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think if you're looking for assists and you're looking for someone who's not going to tank your percentages, then he's a really good ad. Yeah, I definitely like this call out of Sadoransky here. Like you were mentioning, in the, in the FIBA tournament, he really... I mean, his whole team looked pretty good sometimes, but he really looked like a shining star there. And if he can bring any type of that 
that energy and that court vision, court IQ to the Bulls this season, he's definitely in for a, a sizable jump playing alongside guys like Otto Porter and Lowry Markinen. Zach Levine, just guys that can get the 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 ball in the hole, you know. So I, I like that one. I think um, he's definitely gonna should see a bump up in fantasy ranking at the end of this season. You know, a lot of people might be nervous about the guard competition in Chicago this year between, like I mentioned, Zach Levine, and then um, like you, like you mentioned, Chris Dunn, and then you got the coach's pet Ar- Archie Diacono, and then the rookie Kobe White. You know, there's a lot of mouths to feed there, but I think. Sato should be the the first one. You know, he should be the the starting point guard there. And if he's not, then, you know, Jim Boylan, it's not going to surprise me because it's Jim Boylan, but he should definitely be the first one to the feed there. So I think that's a good call. My next pick, or I should say my first pick here, do you think it's cheating to nominate a rookie here? <laughs> uh, you know, nevertheless, well. No, I, I don't. No, I don't. Because rookies are, I mean, they, they play games. That's right. So, <laughs> you know, they play games and they accrue stats just like everybody else. And yep. I think we've seen recently, especially with the quality of rookies coming in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, definitely. I think it's relevant. So, yeah, obviously this guy wasn't on the standard league radar last year because he's a rookie this year. So <laughs> uh, while this might not be the strongest draft class, the 2019 draft class, you know, compared to recent years, there are multiple rookies who I like as dynasty plays. Uh, obviously, Zion and John Morant will be huge. And my love for Brandon Clark is no secret. Similarly, most people know how much I like Grant Williams as well. Uh, it's also feasible to believe in Jared Culver. Uh, and I like Cam Reddish a lot in a Hawks uniform. And I actually have him stashed in a redraft league um, as I took with, with the last pick in a recent uh, industry draft, but I'm actually not bringing any of those guys up here. The rookie I have here who might possibly break into the standard league radar and surprise a few people is actually Darius Garland. And one thing I wanted to to crack open here is the popular idea that Garland will not be a facilitator and won't really help you get assists. I actually wrote about that in my recent article that I mentioned earlier, so I won't go into detail uh, too much here, but I want everyone to understand that I'm a believer in Garland as a playmaker. He averaged a decent number of of assists in high school, and there were some extenuating circumstances in in his limited playing time in Vanderbilt in college, so he has a pretty good court IQ and awareness. Um, He always seemed to be looking in the right spot for his passes, but uh, things just ended up happening. You know, his his teammates couldn't make the bucket, and there was a turnover for one reason or another, but you know, uh, missed shots and yada, yada, yada. But when he passed the ball in college, it just looked like he he knows where to look. He has the passing vision and basketball IQ, and I believe he'll eventually become a solid four-and-a-half to five-and-a-half assists per game kind of point guard. You know, not not an elite point guard level number of assists, but, you know, something very serviceable. And another reason I have Garland as a potential surprise rookie breakout is because of the system he'll be playing in. Um, the Cavaliers' new head coach, John Bayline, is a good offensive mind, and he likes to space the floor and really bomb it from deep. And that's where Garland um, and fellow rookie teammate Dylan Windler both come in. You know, bo- Both of those guys should have the green light when they're on the court, and Garland should be on the court a lot. There's no true competition there. You know, Jordan Clarkson might be a fine sixth man for them. Or I wouldn't even be surprised to see him starting, but just, you know, Garland getting a lot of the run anyway. But Del Vadova should not have a big role. Brandon Knight should not have a big role. 
And then there's Kevin Porter Jr., another rookie who uh, I like as a very deep league dynasty flyer type guy, but he's a player I can uh, he can get hustle stats, especially out of out of position blocks. But that's another story for another day here. Um, either way, he shouldn't have a big role either this year. It, it's the Garland and Sexton show in that backcourt. Both of those guys should have huge roles and playing time and Garland will probably hurt you in field goal percentage, especially early on in his career, but he'll get you the points, you know, some decent assists, a lot of threes in this system and hopefully a reliable free throw percentage. And he'll only get better over time as he builds strength on that frame and becomes accustomed to the NBA. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts off kind of slow while he gets his feet wet. You know, I'd advise to hold on and not drop him. Just wait, wait out the storm unless you really need that roster spot for a contributor. But I'm I'm buying Darius Garland. He might not be Damian Lillard, but I'm buying him nonetheless. Yeah, I think Garland's a good pick. I I, I think the main reason why Garland has a shot um, to me is because you know he, he's not going to you know he he he's going to come on to the scene and immediately be able to contribute because of his shooting and his. Uh, dynamic scoring ability. Now, um, you know, I, I do, you know, I think that we all sort of wonder if he is going to uh, reach his potential as a playmaker. I think that you make a good point about the quality of players in the NBA and how a lot of opportunities that maybe wouldn't be made by his teammates in, in the NCAA saying he would be converted in the NBA, uh, you know, game. I also think that the increase in pace is going to 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 improve his game because he's going to be able to shoot more. Um, I also think that on that roster, he's better than Colin Sexton, which is the main reason why I'd want to buy uh, yeah. stocks of of Garland today. Um, so, you know, I think that's a that's a really solid pick uh, for my next pick. Um, and I am realizing now as I'm looking at this um, that, you know, I picked a lot of I picked mostly guards. I think there's a reason for that. I think that guards at the end of the draft are uh, more likely there's a guard who's going to be available, who's going to outpace their draft potential um, just because of their higher likelihood of getting minutes, their higher likelihood of coming onto the court. Um, But yeah, apologies. Maybe we can focus on big men in a a future podcast. Um, But my next pick is, uh, is actually someone who I think a lot of people don't, very much like uh, kind of in on the NBA scene. Um, I think that there's kind of a low opinion of, of him generally. And, and I don't, I think that it's, it's a little un, unfair. Uh, Reggie Jackson is someone who, you know, has, has had a rough go of things in the NBA. He's, you know, been on, he's, he's had injury issues. He's had inconsistencies as far as play. He's had, some overblown expectations about perhaps his own abilities, particularly in, in Oklahoma city. Um, but, you know, I think that, that it's, he's someone who this season, it, you know, the Detroit needs someone to step up. They need someone who's going to step up and actually contribute in a big way. And frankly, um, Blake Griffin needs help. Um, and Andre Drummond, as good as he is, you know, he needs Andre Drummond needs someone to give him the ball and Reggie Jackson is a talented playmaker. We've seen that time and time again. And I think that this is his year where he's going to show us that, you know, potentially, because I think this is it, right? Like he's, he's getting up there. I think he's like 29, 30 years old. Um, you know, he, he's someone who needs more opportunity. He, he, well, rather he's had opportunity and he hasn't really come through with it. 
um, for better or worse. But in the end of the day, I think that he has the talent. And on top of all of that, Detroit is going to be better another year with Blake Griffin. They are looking for a playoff spot. They are, you know, keen on their opportunities to, you know, win a lot of games. And I think that if Reggie Jackson, um, you know, the fact that he that there's a low opinion of him generally means that he's and that's an opportunity for me from a fantasy standpoint, because that means that he either won't get drafted or people will undervalue him. And once he starts contributing, then it's a sell high opportunity and, and Detroit, um, you know, there are not many other ball handlers. There are not, there's no one else there other than Blake Griffin who can create for themselves. I think Reggie Jackson has the opportunity this season. He's going to have a full off season. He's not injured. He's going to have a good opportunity to come back and, and actually, you know, uh, surprise some people this year. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I can't fully get on board with Reggie. He's disappointed me in the past a few too many times. Um, it's definitely an interesting pick to me. I mean, Obviously, in deeper leagues, he's going to be owned. In your 30-team leagues, in your 20-team leagues, he's going to be owned. And he just seems like one of those Andrew Wiggins and Terry Rozier types that just come with that negative connotation, that negative stigma about them. I could see the addition of Derrick Rose being a boon or a a detriment to him. You know, Derrick Rose is going to come in. This team wants to win now, you know, for better or for worse. They're trying to put together a competent game on the court and those four guys should have a decent sized role you know the two big men up front obviously Drummond and Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson's been around here for a while he needs to step up and then Derrick Rose those those should be the four main guys there and then the lack of competent wings in Detroit could also be the same story for Reggie you know that could be a detriment to his playmaking or it could be beneficial to his playing time on the court um so he's a he's a big question mark to me um I wouldn't be surprised if he finished around the same rank this year, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he climbed up in the rankings or fell in the rankings. He's just one of those guys that it's a question mark to me. It depends on how these other players come alive this season. You know, your Luke Kennard, if he can knock down shots off of an assist, and your Bruce Brown Jr., I don't know how much Sekou Dumboya is going to play, but, you know, like you are saying, he's going to need to step up, so hopefully he can. But my next pick is a wing player for the Raptors that could attempt to fill the massive shoes of the departed Kawhi Leonard. He's uh, one of my sleeper picks this season, and I just hope the hype doesn't get too massive with him before all my drafts finish. It's not Norman Powell. It's not Stanley Johnson. It's not Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, although I do think he's worth a look in deep leagues as kind of a bounce-back player under Nick Nurse. But anyway, it's OG Ananobi. I was really hoping last season would be a nice step forward for him, but between his injuries and the team needing veteran contributions for an attempt to win now, I don't know if he kind of fell off the map. But I have high hopes for him that this could be the year he establishes his hold on a standard league roster spot. Um, I'm taking a shot on him. I have him in my top 100 in my redraft rankings at the uh, around 94. Five-ish, I believe, right now. Uh, for a player that's never finished inside the top, like, 275 or something, that's a huge leap. And it might be foolish to have him this high. The top 120 might be a little more realistic, but I really believe in this kid. You know, I don't know if he's not the most efficient guy with his percentages. He'll probably hurt you in free throw percentage, but I've always been such a sucker for the triple one guys. And with his wingspan and skill set, he's a nightly triple one threat, or he should be at least. 
Listen to these per 40 minute stats for Anunobi in his uh, sophomore year in college. He averaged 17.6 points, 8.7 rebounds, 1.4 threes, 2.1 steals, and 2.1 blocks. So for a six foot eight combo forward wing player with a seven foot two wingspan, the upside is so fun for Anunobi. And at the risk of being ridiculed for bringing up this cult hero, he can be a Jonathan Isaac light kind of player. Speaking of Jonathan Isaac, though, he added like 20, another 20 pounds of muscle or something on him now, right? I mean, I know that's something a lot of young, lanky players tend to say in the offseason. It's just like clockwork, like Dwight Howard losing 15 pounds every summer. But if Isaac can keep that muscle on him uh, and benefit from it on the court, the, the ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan would say. But anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. Be, he's just a guy I, I believe in. I think he can take that next step under a great coach in, in Nick Nurse. So... I'm just hoping uh, I got my fingers crossed for him. I'm trying to get him in some of my leagues, especially the deeper dynasty leagues, and and uh, closing my eyes and hoping. Yeah, I think uh, Anunoby. We've talked about about him before. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think he's a really high potential guy. I think that, especially in a dynasty format, because of the potential turnover in Toronto. He might be given an opportunity to have kind of a Pascal Siakam type of leap. Um, I don't mean that he necessarily is that talented. What I mean is that he'll be given the chance and, and the minutes and the opportunity to have similar to the to the opportunity that Pascal Siakam was given. Um, right. Yeah. You know, he's someone who, like you said, can be that triple one threat. I also think he's someone who is a little more polished offensively than people give him credit for. Um, he's developed more nicely. I think that he's going to have the opportunity to show that. And I'm looking forward to see what he does. Um, my next pick is another. So I, my, again, I, I wanted to focus on guys who are probably not on anyone's radar, but who probably who, but who will be at the end of the year. Right. So for me, when I think about Chetty Osman, I don't think he's necessarily a, a great, option. I, he's not someone I, I'm, you know, pushing for in all of my leagues, but he is someone who I think people are going to undervalue because he's on a bad team. The Cavaliers are not going to be very good, but Chetty Osmond is going to be a starter on a really bad team. And as we very well know, and we've discussed many times on this podcast, the teams that are bad, they still need someone to score. You know, even if they're scoring 90 points a game, someone's still got to score, you know, most of those points. And, and Chetty Osmond has the opportunity to be the main the main guy in this Cavs offense because Colin Sexton hasn't really shown, you know, he re- at the end of the season he showed some more flexibility and some more of that of, of the opportunity to the the the, the talent to run an offense. Um, unfortunately, uh, it, it hasn't been consistent. And Darius Garland, as we said, he might have that chance, but I just don't think it's going to happen right away for him. And until that happens, until Darius Garland can become that main guy, it's going to be Chetty Osman. And, and really, Osman's a pretty good player. He gives you everything. He can rebound. He can pass. He can shoot. Um, he scores at a pretty at a pretty good clip for someone who you know isn't. You're not really thinking of him as a scorer. And you know, ultimately, uh, he's someone who again is going to be undervalued because he plays on a bad team, and, and people have a perception of him as not being a really great player. Um, but he's someone who has a lot of potential. And I think that that's something that you're looking for when you're thinking about, you know, essentially sleepers, which is what we're talking about here. 
Um, you know, he, he, he isn't someone who uh, is going to, you know, he, he's not going to, to, to break out, right? That's not who he is. He's not a breakout candidate this season, but he is going to give you consistency. And that's what you need to be really, to, to really make a difference. Um, it, you know, at, in the later rounds, you know, you want someone who's going to give you consistency. Um, and, and that's, I think, what, what Chetty Osman is going to bring for this season and, and next season. Now, his long-term value isn't as great, but at the end of, the, at the end of your roster, you're not really looking at long-term value. You're more looking for guys who can contribute and, you know, can give you something positive. Yeah, I, I do like this pick. He's another one of those young Cavs guys that should benefit from playing under John Beeline. And like you said, he's one of those potential all-around guys who can contribute in many counting stats if things break right. You know, he has the passing vision. He has the the good big wing body that is so important or so sought after in the NBA today. And he, most importantly for this system he'll be playing in, he has the potential to shoot the ball. And that's what this coach is going to want. He's going to want to f- space the floor. Uh, he's going to want... You know, one of his guards to maybe um, attack the rim, pass out, uh, and then he'll have that on this team. You know, uh, between Osman and Windler and the the two young guys in the backcourt and Kevin Love, all those guys can hit a shot. Or, you know, Sexton showed he could down the stretch of last season. We'll see how much of um, his huge leap in the rankings was real or not this coming season. But I think Bayline can help him out there. And... It just depends on who's going to play center here. Uh, obviously, Larry Nance should be the the main guy there, or at least that's what I'm hoping for. Um, but you do still have other options like Tristan Thompson, John Henson, and Ante Zizic. So we'll see how things shake out. But Osman, I, I like that pick. Um, I'm liking everybody that can shoot the ball that's going to be playing under John Beeline this season. So I don't mind that one at all. Um, and my last pick for our players we think will break onto the standard league radar is a guy that I think I might have brought up on almost every episode of our pod so far, but he's one of my guys. He's, he's, I just can't help it. He's young, tall, he's building muscle. He's playing with two good guards. He's in for a big opportunity this year. He's Zach Collins. Come on down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've, I've, I've harped on about Zach Collins for over a year now, so I'm not going to, get into why I like him so much, but I will say that I don't think I'm the only industry guy hyping him up right now, though. If his ADP keeps climbing, he might be entering the uh, drafting at ceiling territory, which would just suck. But I have Collins at rank 86 on my redraft rankings right now, so I wouldn't be shocked if he even surpassed that, though. If he was playing full-time center, I'd probably have him around top 75, but yeah, if Collins is there around round nine, maybe even late round eight, I'm taking him because I think there's still some upside there. He's just a guy that give you threes, give you blocks, give you percentages. He has the opportunity, so hopefully he doesn't let me down because I've been harping on about him for so long now. <laughs> but yeah, coming down the home stretch now, we do have three listener questions in, in regards to trades to discuss real quick before we close it out, if you're, if you're ready to move on to that. This is my favorite stuff to talk about. <laughs> All right. Let's see. First question is, what is your preference and style on offering trades early on in a startup league? Do you like to offer fair trades in the beginning to establish 
a good first impression and rapport, or do you prefer offering somewhat lopsided trades to feel your league mates out and see if they take the bait? Is there a certain method you lean toward, or is it dependent on the league and the situation? I generally, uh, first off, I should say that I'm a pretty measured person when it comes to trade talks. I try my hardest to be patient and not try to force anything, um, generally speaking. Now, that said, um, when I, my, I don't think that I necessarily make a decision about, okay, I'm going to, you know, early in the season, I'm going to focus on trying to bid, you know, crazy um, and try to get a deal early on. Um, I don't know if I necessarily uh, love that, that approach because you do want to work in goodwill. You do want people to, um, you know, you want people to want to work with you. And that's really important. Um, you know, you don't want anyone, you don't want to have a bad reputation, especially in bigger leagues where people's opinions might be more important, where if someone's really, you know, not someone consistently makes really bad deals and doesn't, you know, make good offers, then that, that does, that reputation does get around a little bit. Um, so you don't want to be doing that, but that all of that said, I do have a general strategy towards trading and, you know, I, I put myself at risk here a little bit in, in all of my leagues that people know me, but you know, Hey, occupational hazard of having a podcast, I suppose. <laughs> but I, I do tend to like, I, I prefer my first deal to very obviously favor me um, because I like to get a counter offer. I just, I, I really don't, I've never in all of my years of doing fantasy in various capacities, I have never offered a deal first time and gotten someone to accept first time. It's, it's just never happened. So if it's going to happen, I would prefer it happen because I offered a deal that, just very much benefits me as opposed to benefits them. Now, when I say very much, I don't mean like laughable to the degree that we might be talking about. Um, you know, I, we don't want to offend anybody, but what I am saying is that I think my, your first offer should favor you. The second offer should favor them because that's where you find something in between, which is what every good deal is. So, you know, my, my strategy is a general rule is to try and at least on the first bid, you know, see as a temperature reader to get someone's to get a reaction. It sometimes makes sense to start with, hey, you know, something that that clearly benefits me. But let's, you know, and be upfront about it. Be like, hey, you know, but I think that you might not go for it because of this, this, this. And then it's a conversation. And then you're talking about, all right, well, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for, um, you know, so on and so forth. But I, I do like to be patient. I don't like to send out a bunch of deals. And I prefer to, to have a couple of back and forths before anything is accepted on either side. Yeah, it's definitely more important to get that conversation going and build that rapport than a lot of people think uh, that just send blind trades, which, you know, I'm not calling people out for sending blind trades. I, I, we've all done it. But I do feel like bringing up that conversation and talking to people in the group me or you know what have you however you're going to talk to them it just it helps the deal push through a little more but for me 
I guess it's somewhat dependent on the league. I do try to keep my style consistent, but if it's an industry expert kind of league with a lot of other analysts and knowledgeable competition in the league, I really try to make a good first impression and establish that rapport. Like if I can uh, link this to a personal scenario for a second here. So, you know, Kevin and I are, are co-owning a team in a competitive industry league. And after the draft, we received two very bad offers that just put me in a negative mindset for those two people now. So that I probably won't be too keen to deal with them anymore. Like if they do actually offer us a pretty even mutually beneficial deal in the future, I'll probably be more skeptical on the offer and less likely to accept it. Uh, now I do obviously consider every deal that comes my way, but for example, one of the offers was that we would be trading away Marcus Smart and receiving Kyrie Thomas in a second round pick. <laughs> Uh, like we're not rebuilding or anything. Hmm. Another one was us trading away a future first round pick and only receiving two second round picks in return. <laughs> like those offers are so bad. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. like that. Yeah, and and there was actually one more too. The the offer the offer was for us to trade away Otto Porter and one of our first round picks for Norman Powell and Kyle Anderson. So. Like geez. what? Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's just that's just that's just silly. That just doesn't yeah. even make any sense. And, and and these guys definitely go with the send bad offers to see if they take the bait method. And yeah, uh, and that's just that's just not like listen. I, I first off, I don't really do a a cold offer very frequently. Right. Like pretty much any offer I make, I'll follow it up with a with a message or. A uh, little thing, you know, to say, hey, this is my logic behind why I sent this deal. Um, uh, that's just being nice as far as I'm concerned. After yeah. that, um, you know, for me, I, 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 you know, I agree for what it's worth. I really don't like when, you know, um, I, I've had situations and, and this just comes with being in a lot of leagues with a lot of random people. You'll get, you know, different types of personalities and, uh, you know, I've had, I've had guys, owners on, in other leagues who, you know, they get really upset if you don't deal with them. And if you're not, you know, giving them what they deem to be the right deal. And uh, I've had situations where, um, you know, guys, I had a, a manager get upset at me um, for turning down a deal and for saying that I wasn't interested and then deciding <clears throat> that, uh that he was going to uh, uh, put what he called an, an embargo on me, um, which is very strange. <laughs> and, uh, and I just don't like that, frankly. And, you know, for me, I don't do this. You know, this is meant to be fun. And, uh, and if you're going to, you know, make it difficult and if you're going to give me a headache, I, I have enough headaches in my day-to-day -day life. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need, I don't need uh, you know, headaches in my, uh, in my fantasy in my fantasy world. So, uh, so yeah, I think that good faith is very important. I think you don't want to be embarrassing people. You don't want to embarrass yourself. Um, make a good trade, be fair, be honest. Um, and in the end, you know, chances are it'll probably do better things for you because people will want to deal with you. And, and when you're liked, uh, people like to deal with you. It's, it's just that simple. And that's why the Yankees never get a good deal. And you know <laughs> why, uh, it's just, that's the way that it goes. Yeah, and like you said, that's what I was going to bring up. If 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 these guys would have, 
you know, DM'd us or, or spoken to us about or in, in some kind of way or something like that, you know, maybe it would have been a little more cool. Like, hey, man, like, this isn't, we're nowhere, we're nowhere near <laughs> being close to a deal at all. Right, exactly. But, but then it's, it's a dialogue at that point, right? And you can, you can exactly. work on something. Um, and it just gets really difficult when you're, you know, you're trying to find uh, common ground. You're trying to get a deal done. And if you're not willing to meet someone halfway, then, well, a deal probably won't get done. Let me take this time to send a message to all my league mates out there, both current and former. If I've ever sent an offer like this to you, to any of you, I apologize for insulting you. <laughs> but, yeah, to go back to the question here, I'll usually send pretty balanced offers. Maybe they'll be ever so slightly favored towards me, but nothing crazy. I do want to build that rapport in the beginning, but... You know, I do, and we're all guilty of this. I, I tend to value my players more than others do. And I, you know, I have them on my roster because I believe in them and because I've done this. I'm research. very guilty of this too. Yeah. I'm very know, guilty of this too. I know the upside and the potential. And, you know, maybe this guy's in a very specific situation that I believe, you know, his value might be more than others do. But. So, you know, sometimes my trades might seem a little lopsided just because I believe in a, a guy a little more than others. But um, anyway, we can move on to another scenario we wanted to kind of analyze today. And um, here we have a trade that got vetoed. You know, this wasn't in any of our leagues. It was sent to us by a fellow podcaster, Ballify NBA. And we just went over our stance on vetoes in the last episode. So let's see how we feel about this one. Okay, it was a pretty big deal where both sides are trading away three pretty big-time players, and the deal was actually accepted, which is surprising to me after seeing the moving parts, but then it was vetoed. The player, I guess the deal was player A is trading away De'Aaron Fox, Blake Griffin, and Justice Winslow. And in return, he was going to receive Bradley Beal, Miles Turner, and Otto Porter. Now, I know I said I'm not a fan of the veto system, but this one seems a little a little fishy, I guess. But I still would not veto the trade unless one of the guys involved in the trade have uh, had a history of making questionable integrity kind of deals. And even then, it would have to be a scenario where the guy has really made everyone in the league raise, raise some eyebrows in the past with some collusion-type trades. You know, I don't like this deal at all because I think it's severely lopsided uh, to go over it again it was Darren Fox Blake Griffin and Justice Winslow for Bradley Beal Miles Turner and Otto Porter but uh, the guy receiving Beal Turner and Otto com is completely coming out on top in my opinion but like we said last week you never know what's going on in someone's head maybe you know maybe this guy has a strong feeling about Fox or Winslow or something so to, 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 to recap I don't like the trade at all I think one guy is clearly coming out on top, but I still would not veto outside of very particular circumstances. But what about you, Tony? Where do you stand here? Um, yeah, I, I agree with you that a veto is almost never uh, really the right way to approach anything. Um, uh, basically, especially in a league where people are, you know, relatively competent and know what they're doing. Um, if that's the case, then frankly you shouldn't really be vetoing anything. I also don't really think that this, I mean, it, listen, is it a lopsided trade? It's a lopsided trade. Beal, Miles Turner, especially if it's Dynasty. Yeah. Beal, Miles Turner, 
Otto Porter. Those are three really young, really high upside guys um, who will, you know, they will be top 20. All three of them are going to be top 30 guys, right? Um, so it, it's it's definitely lopsided. Now, the, the, the linchpin is the Justice Winslow thing. I think that, you know, if he ends up being a starter in Miami and, and all that, then there is a, a chance that this could be somewhat a, a more wouldn't look as bad, but again, it's not really about how lopsided the trade is. It's more about, you know, do we believe that this type of a trade is indicative of, um, you know, is indicative of collusion or of, uh, of, you know, someone being, uh, you know, taken over the barrel somehow, or, or, or you know, is, 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 has been, you know, tricked somehow. And that's clearly not the case. It's, it's a, it's a weird deal. It's a little lopsided, but I don't even think it's really all that bad. I think that it probably should have been allowed to go through. I think it's one of those things that, you know, a couple things break a certain way during the season. And this is one of those deals that could easily not look that bad at all um, at the end of the, at the end of this year. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. And when you, when you talked about Winslow there for a second, it reminded me that, he was so hyped coming out of college. I remember reading something. I forget which team it was, but there was a team out there that offered like four four future first round picks uh, for uh, to draft Justice Winslow. And it, <laughs> he doesn't look. He's like one a guy. of those. He's one of those guys. Winslow is one of those guys who just, for whatever reason, um, he just. It, I, people really love him and I, I get it. I I'm yeah. one of those people. I don't overvalue him to that degree, but I actually really, really like justice Winslow. I think that he has got a great game. He has so much upside because of his versatility on the floor. Um, but again, like, uh, you know, four first round picks, uh, is he as good as the comparable piece on the other side, Otto Porter? No. Um, will, will he be as good? Potentially. I mean, it's possible, but, I'm not really super, I wouldn't say that I'm, it's certainly not a sure thing. Um, and, you know, we're, it's definitely a big make it or break it season this year for him in Miami. It is. NBA teams want those big wing players so bad these days. You know, there, there's, it's, it's, it's the hip thing right now. You know, you, you need to have those in the league and Winslow has the body and he has, he actually has the playmaking ability and um, his shot, you know, it could it could use a little more development and become even more reliable. But he still has a lot of upside, in my opinion. Let's see, how old is he now? He's like 24 or something like that. I think he's at 23, 24. He's not 20, really that. He's not yeah, that 20, old. 23. Yeah. So, yeah, he still has a little bit of development to go. You know, that he takes another big step. Anyway, we can move on. One more question here before we tuck this episode in for the night. We have a little... Would you rather hear? And we can try to be somewhat brief with this one, although, you know, we don't have a great track record with keeping answers quick. But the trade was sent in. Brevity, brevity is not our strength. No, <laughs> <It's not. laughs> this one was sent to my DMs by Brett. He'll be joining us uh, as either a waiver or a streamer specialist when the season starts up. But. Let's see, he's in a 12 team nine cat dynasty league, so obviously both the dynasty league aspect and the nine cat aspect are important in judging trades here, but the league size is particularly important here as well, because it's a three for two type trade. 
uh, it's also very important to mention that he's punting free throw percentage here. So this is this was the deal. He was trading away Bam Adebayo, Nerlens Noel, and Jalen Brown. And in return, he was receiving Lonzo Ball and Steven Adams. Now, at first, I had to think about it, but then he told me he was punting that free throw percentage and threes, and I was like, yep, you know, that, that, that'll work. I like it. He says he feels like he needs a few more assists so Lonzo can help him there, and basically he wants to take advantage of all the hype surrounding Bam this season. So I, I like it. We previously mentioned how Adams was a top 30 guy in this in this type of punt build last season. But uh, before I go on, where are you, where are you at with this trade, Tony? <clears throat> yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's first off, I think it's a really interesting trade. Um, uh, it seems to me that the, that the portion, the side of the Lonzo and, and Adams side is more positioned for a a win now team. Uh, if, if, uh, if Rhett is looking to position himself in this dynasty as, uh, you know, more of a, uh, as more of a, uh, looking to contend more and he's looking to increase his win total. I think that this does that for him. Lonzo is going to be a central portion of the Pelicans offense moving forward. He's going to give you assists. He's going to give you, uh, you know, points and some other things. Um, you know, he's a talented player. I think Steven Adams is going to be, really good this season with the departure of Russell Westbrook. Um, so I think it's a, it's a high upside. Um, well, I think it, it, it's a solid move if he's looking to improve his win total. Now, uh, if, if, if he's still in a rebuilding phase, this becomes a little more difficult. I think that for a rebuilding team, the BAM, uh, the BAM Nerlens Noel, um, Jalen Brown side is perhaps a, a little better because of Jalen Brown's upside and obviously Bam Adebayo's upside. Now those two guys could end up being ultimately better uh, than Lonzo and uh, and Adams long term, but that doesn't mean that for this season or next season they're not um, you know going to be the better option. And then Nerlens Noel. You know, he's a bit of a toss in here, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't have value. It's more just about, you know, is he going to be given the opportunity? Um, but, you know, I think that he he could. And, and you know, it's a high upside play if you're a rebuilding team, which I would assume if you're getting those three assets, you likely are a rebuilding team. I think that's a really good deal. If uh, if if on Rhett's side, the Lonzo Adams side, if if they're looking to increase wins and, and improve, then that's a good deal for them. So it seems like a, a, go, a great example of a mutually beneficial deal um, that benefits on one side a contender and on the other side, someone who's looking to position themselves more in a rebuild. Yeah, I'd, like I said, I'd take the Lonzo and Big Kiwi Steve uh, side with this build, with him punting free throws and threes. Also, Jalen Brown, to me, is almost on the fringe of standard leagues now. You know, it's understandable because it's a dynasty league, though, I suppose, to, to hold on to him. You know, after showing a little bit of promise early on in his career, maybe you still have a little bit of hope for him. I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't in any way. And you just hope that there's a refreshed locker room and Jalen shows some more development. But if he doesn't take that next step soon, the, the time to cut bait is fast approaching in those shallower leagues, obviously. Um, I like his, I, I like his upside and I think I like his upside in dynasty, right? Um, sure, yeah, because, be, because of his versatility and he's shown it before, right? He has, you know, number two guy upside in terms of like, he could be, you know, it could be in the future, him and Jason Tatum, and they could be the two guys in Boston. Um, 
And I think that that he does have that type of upside in a dynasty. I think that if this were redraft, obviously, it's a totally different conversation. And I think that might have been the the original idea. I'm nervous that he might end up being one of the guys that's better in real life than he is in fantasy. Um, you know, last season, his his fan, he finished as the 186th ranked player in fantasy. And so he dropped down 35 spots from the year before. Now, how much of that was circumstantial? How much of that was... Kyrie and, and, and Marcus Morris and everybody kind of not meshing well together. We'll find out this year because it seems to be, like I said, a newly refreshed locker room there. But um, to, to get back to the question here, yeah, I'm pulling the trigger and trying to add Lonzo and Adams to that punt build. But yeah, um, I, definitely not saying it's time to cut Jalen Brown in any dynasty league yet because it's, it's certainly not. He definitely he still has tons of potential. Let's see, he'll be 23 pretty soon. Um, he'll get you those steals. <clears throat> he'll get you some threes. And uh, I think the hope with his body is that he he can get to the rim and get you some points and his, his percentages continue to improve. Because last year, 46.5% from the field and 65.8% from the line is not great. You know, the field goal percentage isn't necessarily bad or anything like that. But a guy as stocky and with his build... You'd, you'd hope for that to just come up just a little bit more at least. Definitely still has a lot of uh, potential, and I'm not saying that um, he, he won't be worth owning in the future because I, I think uh, I foresee him being worth owning for years to come now. So anyway, you ready to close this thing out? Let's do it. All right. Well, remember to visit us at thefantasyunicorns.com as the season draws closer. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, our dynasty and redraft rankings are up and operable for your viewing pleasure and i'm beginning to really buckle down and work on next year's prospect rankings i'm doing a little bit of scouting of the young fellas in both the u.s and overseas so i'm really looking forward to that but yeah take a look at our rankings let us know what you think anything you agree with anything you like or find interesting or anything you don't like and want to call us names and obscenities for you know you can find me on twitter at fantasy yes, NBA yeah, yeah, at Fantasy NBA Layup. And you can find Tony on Twitter at... At who's underscore your underscore papa. That's me. That's him. All right, guys. Well, we're always available for your questions or just general basketball conversation. We like it. We love it. We live for it. And we need it in our lives. So don't be a stranger. All right. Until next time, Fantasy Beans. We'll catch you later. Later.